Hey guys, it's Allison. I am so glad you're here with me. I want to tell you that this podcast, From Weeds to Wildflowers, it's all about resilience. So then it's pretty much about life. And if you've ever experienced life, then this podcast could possibly be for you. I want to put a disclaimer out there first. I am not a therapist. I'm not here to give you advice or to tell you what to do. What I am though is human. Yep, same as you. A human being that has an immense desire to want to help people discover ways to heal. There is so much suffering in this world, some of which stems from outside influences, but most of our suffering comes from within, from our own devices. And that is what worries me the most. I too have suffered, and yes, some of which came by means of my own hands. I would love for you to join me and walk alongside me as we navigate this wonderful, beautiful, sometimes frightening thing we call life. Let's find out what we're made of, and perhaps we can find ways we can do it better. Help me to unearth skills to dig deep in search of proverbial water that heals. Let's learn how to bloom wherever we find ourselves not just where we're planted, and uncover the source of our own innate personal happiness. Come on now, let's do this together. I am so glad to be here today, but even more so, I am glad to be here with my friend, Phil Cook. Phil is somebody I met almost a year ago, and I have to tell you that he has, he has, more than one, but he has some amazing stories about resilience. Um, and you know what? I don't even care what ones he wishes to share because all of them testify of the power of the human spirit and the desire to live on and not just survive, but thrive in spite of the things that life hands us, that life doesn't live us that we live life and life is for us so without further ado i would like to introduce you to my friend phil cook hey phil <laughs> an honor to be here <laughs> thanks i appreciate you being on the podcast oh, so, yeah i told you it's an honor and it's a privilege to be here it really is thanks why don't you first of all tell us a little bit about yourself I know about you, but uh, my listeners don't. Tell us what you'd like them to know about Phil Cook. Well, first of all, I'm just a little home slice from the sticks of Utah, a little place they call Happy Valley. And uh, <laughs> just, it's more small town and um, just, yeah, that's about it. Just from a humble background. You're not very far from where you actually like um, lived per se and did like went to high school and all of that. That's correct. That is correct. I live uh, near where I grew up. Funny thing is, though, so in my speaking with you, you have been just about everywhere in the world, it seemed like. I've been fortunate to get around. Yeah, you have yeah. lived a ton of places lived a lot of places visited other places and yet it's brought you back to Utah the root. Yeah. yeah where where you started yeah. tell me a little bit about that how come I mean so give us an idea of some places that you've been and why maybe you've been there um I've I lived in Mexico for a couple of years went down there did some charity work for church and 
things of that nature, just helping people. And, and um, you love the people down there. You still love. Oh, them. they're my people. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they're my people. Oh, yeah, they're my people, and I love them. And um, they taught me humility. They taught me being and living in Mexico gave me a great appreciation, just an enormous appreciation for the United States. It's not the perfect. It's not a perfect country, but I'll tell you what, far and away better than anywhere I've been. Really? Lived, okay. Yeah, around the world. But it, that was my first experience of living outside of the country. Uh, I've been a lot of places. I've been to every state in the country, in the United States. Um, lived in Alaska. Lived in Hawaii. I've lived out of the country in the Middle East and Kuwait after the Gulf War. I was over there working. And um, lived in Australia. And with all of that. You've chosen to come back to the States, come back to where your roots began. Come back to family. Is that come what it is? Is that what came brought you back was family? Come back to family. Huh? Bill has a very, very huge heart and great sense of family. Yeah, <laughs> I've always Thank respected you. that very, very much. So, okay. So when talking about family, I want you to tell me, you have quite an amazing story. If it feels right and this feels like it resonates with you, I would love for you to tell us a little bit of your story um, about you and your brother. Okay. You thought, um, my brother passed away a long time ago. You, right? you know what? Yeah. Either yeah. one. You, <laughs> he has a, an amazing story about every, about every person in your family. That's true. I do. Um, yeah, I just, it's, it's, it's like, you know, back when I was nine and or 10 and he was, my brother was, his name was Ronnie, still is. And um, he was a couple of years older than me. So he was 11 or 12 at the time. And just to make a short story or a long story short, it's just, we were on a, I was on a paper route with him and it was super cold, February 3rd, 1977. It was starting to, the sun was starting to go down. It was dusk. And, We'd finished up and we were headed back and we had to cross a road that we had no business crossing at that age. But that's just what you did back in the day. You know, you crossed every road. <laughs> you jumped in every canal, in every pond. It didn't matter. Alligators or not. So anyway, um, but I was, little um, background is my brother was always my my guardian. I, he always looked after me. He was my hero. And he was always keeping me out of trouble because I was a, a dentist, the mess type. And I uh, always and just just curious. I, I, I was really active and a lot of energy. Now they call that ADHD. Okay. <laughs> they called <laughs> it then. They just called it Phil Cook. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you looked at it in the dictionary. It had my picture, but yeah. And uh, so I was really cold. And I couldn't wait to get back. I was just painting his butt the whole time. We're out there doing this, this paper route, and. Um, we get to this road and I just froggered my way right across it. I wasn't wasting any time. I wanted to get home and get warm. I was hungry. And he's conservative and he just he just held back. And and I got well, I got across the road and I turned around and he wasn't he wasn't with me. I thought he was right behind me. And and I looked across the road and he's on the other side of the road. And so I sh shouted across the road, come on, hurry up. What's take what are you waiting for? And so that created some urgency for him to go a lot sooner than he ever would have. Otherwise, he would have just been more cautious. He would have found a time to go when it was a lot safer. But that caught, created that urgency. And so he came across the road, and because I created that urgency, he got turned around, got hit by a car, and he was killed. 
And, um, you know, that was, I always thought that was my fault. And for 40 years, I never told him that. Never told a soul. The shame, the guilt was too immense, always. And I never spoke a word about it to anybody. Anybody. Holy cow. Yeah. And then, um, but, I, you know, since a guy that came into my life, a, a friend of mine, kind of took the place of my brother, my best friend, Mike Simpson. And we've been friends, brothers, ever since. But he is a, he's a healer of sorts, and he um, hypnotherapy, and NLP, Neuro Linguistic Program. He's a, I mean, just a heart coach, all kinds of stuff. Just a healer, and he's just a tool in the hands of God. And um, so he did some work with me on that. And I won't go into all the details of what it took to get there, but it, it was a lot of work it took to get there. He took me in a, a hypnotherapy session. He actually took me back to that that very day, that time when I was just a little nine-year-old, and when I ran out into the street when he was just in a in a ball, just a busted up ball on this on the road on the pavement, and um, he took me right back to that day. And I was that little guy just freaking out, just screaming, just frantic, screaming. I just everything was the same, and. I can take you back to that time when I was doing that. I was on my knees and um, somebody pulled me back, told me to go call my mom. And so I did at that time. But this time in the hypnotherapy session, he when he took me back to that point, and I was, it was like I was reliving it. I mean, it was as real as the day it happened. I'm on my knees, my brother's there, people are gathering around. That same person pulls me back again, says in my ear, go call your mom. So this time I turned around, I looked at who it was, and it was my brother. Except it was it was my brother this time, but he wasn't he wasn't that 12 year old kid or that 11 year old kid. He was um more like 22 and uh had this kind of a bronze celestial glow about him, and he just put his arms, put his hands on my shoulders. And looking at me with eyes of just being just pure love, pure heavenly celestial love, and just proud as could be. And he didn't speak with his mouth, but he spoke to me. And um, he said, God, let it go. You've got to let it go. It's not your fault. It's never been your fault. I'm okay, but you've got to let it go. Everything's all right. It's not your fault. As soon as he realized that I had accepted that, he was gone. And so I've been able to talk about it ever since. He just that that burden, that 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 heaviness and everything was gone. But for 40 years, I just pushed that down, pushed that down. February was a horrible month. I never went and visited his grave on, on in February. Always I felt guilty. And I had that shame. I had that guilt. I never told a soul. And Mike, when I came out of it, out of that session, Mike said, what just happened? And that was the first time I ever told anybody what happened. Wow. So he just alleviated that whole heaviness, that, that weight of guilt and shame that I've carried in the pit of my gut for 40 years. How and, old? Um, how old were you when Mike did this? 
like how many years? Oh, uh, this was probably five or six years ago. Wow. Yeah. So you've really only been free of that guilt and shame for that many years. Right. That's correct. I can't well, it feels imagine. Good, so Phil, from this, I mean, even look at you, looking at you. Did you say you were ten? Yeah, nine or ten. I think I was okay. nine. Yeah, nine. That's that's an awful heavy weight to carry as a nine and ten year old, you know, nine or ten year old. Um, Yeah. And that's a pretty early age to to learn resilience. Having that weight on your shoulders for so long, I just can't even imagine. Well, the thing about it is you learn to live with it. Either you just learn to live with it and. It becomes a status quo. Yeah, it becomes you deal with it. By not dealing with it. Yeah. Avoidance right therapy. Here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a, I'm the queen at avoidance therapy. I just said yeah, that the other day. It's, never, I mean, it's the, human, it's the human condition though, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. It is the human condition. And I think oftentimes we get stuck in that status quo that we forget that there's still things that need to be healed. Although you can't rush your own healing, but sometimes we don't even realize we need to heal. Right. That's true. That is so true. Did you realize um, that you had shit that you still needed to heal or had it been there so long that you just even forgotten? Yeah, I just it well, it it worked in my uh, you know, my subliminal psychology in the back of my head. Right. It was like uh, every February that switch flipped. February was tough. It was a tough month for me. And um, it was hard. And I didn't even know that that switch was there. But just, it was subconsciously just would switch. It just, it was awesome. All right. All right. We had some technical difficulties for a second. The internet went out. So no worries. That is part of life. So Phil, yeah. I want to know if you, if you're comfortable telling people, but let's talk closer to today. Um, let's talk about kind of the stuff you've been dealing with in the last uh couple years or so you you tell what you want to tell i'm not even going to preface it because i don't want to force you into telling something (laughs) that you don't want to or Mm -hmm. in a way that you don't want to no that's that's totally fine yeah it's um you know it's about the last 15 months or so it's just it's been a rough one as far as losing family members just out of nowhere my brother back in october of 2021 uh passed away of covid healthy guy just it got him unexpected for all of us and uh, he was more like the the, uh, head of the family where did he fit in your family so ronnie wasn't the oldest was he no ronnie Ronnie was a year older than me okay it was rick lisa arthur ronnie and me i'm the baby you know rick was more like my he was more the father figure of me growing up he was he taught me everything he was my he was another one of my heroes and and he taught me how to play baseball he taught me how to play football and wrestle and basketball and 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 you know about music he used to grab me when i was a teenager and take me to midnight movies to watch the doors and the led zeppelin and the who and got me into all that and just he was always always one of my biggest fans biggest supporters and so it was yeah, you know, it's it it's not it's it was it's rough, you know, it's unexpected and it's 
And it's hard and it's grueling and it's excruciating at times. Um, but the thing is, is, is the balance in life. I, I think of the, I'm, the countless thousands of wonderful and great memories and, that I have with my brother. And that's the balance. And um, not only that, you know, it's, you know, it's, I just, I'm just blessed that I had such a wonderful brother for as long as I did. And, um, you know, I know why he's gone. And I've been made known that through dreams and stuff. And I know why he's there and why he was going, why he had to be taken. And um, it's pretty sacred, so I won't go that direction with it. But um, it's just, it's, it's just part of life. It's that process of life and um, it's hard and it's difficult. And that's what life is. Life throws us curveballs, man. We just, but at the same time, we just, we, we can't beat ourselves up and we can't beat up. We can't be judgmental on ourselves. We got to give ourselves grace and move on. And I couldn't have done it. You know, the thing about it is, is for me, God, my family, my kids, my grandkiddos, my cherished friends, and you happen to be one of those, by the way. Thank you. When I feel weak and powerless, like I did at that time, because it just, it took it out of me. Uh, it's they, people like you, my family, and everybody else I mentioned. It gives me the power, the strength to overcome and to carry it on. I don't, you know, it's it's hard to say that any of my, I wouldn't have without my family to give me that strength and to buoy me up and and to help me carry on. Who's not automated? So your family yeah. gives you gives you the strength to be resilient. Yes. Even with grief. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Um, because of that, you know, it's, it's 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 sometimes you need that, and family helps, friends help. You know, if anybody has stories of resilience, that's you. Yeah. Oh no, no, oh, well. there's your 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 <laughs> humility coming out, but. Well, you know, it's funny. Once you start talking to people about resilience and once you start doing a podcast about resilience, well, the universe hears you and sometimes thinks that you need different ways to learn resilience. But it's okay. We all have our own path to trot and, and it's all our own story. We Everybody has a story. But so, so your brother passed and that yes. was tragic. I mean, you, I have to tell you guys that Phil and his brother Rick had a beautiful relationship from the stories that I've heard, from the pictures that I've seen, from the things that his children have said to him. I just am ever amazed. So what a beautiful friendship, let alone a siblingship. I don't even know if that's a word, but if it isn't, it should be. And I am so impressed. I'm so impressed. And yet, you know, he was taken from you, but all this beautiful time you know, that you got to spend, but there wasn't just that. It wasn't just Rick passed unexpectedly and his was unexpectedly. Right. right? But then kind of follow that in. That was October of 21. Yeah. I would love to see or have you tell about the contrast in all of that because April was total shit and yet total beauty and amazing oh, yeah. oh amazing oh yeah absolutely no doubt about it that's when my sister passed away and six months later yeah. she needed to, she needed to go though and you know she needed she to go years sick. ago yeah she was she was suffering she needed to go 
I miss her. I love her and I miss her, but she needed to go. But the thing about this is the beauty of this is that um, my brother-in-law, Steve, who is a saint, by the way, he took care. He never, most people just take someone like my sister and put her in a, in a hospice or a, a care center or something like that. Mm-hmm. He took care of her, a saint. And I got to give him kudos to that. I love, I'll forever love that guy because of the way he took care of, loved and took care of my sister. Mm-hmm. But he, they live in Colorado. I live in Utah. And Steve called me and he says, you know what? She was in the hospital. She was on her deathbed. She was on life support. And he says, you know what? There's no, there's not any hope. The doctors don't give any hope. And we're, we're going to take her off life support on the 19th. And so my mom and my youngest son, Jackson, Zaxter did not go. That's my uh, one, my oldest son, because he was getting married on on um, April twenty first, and so he couldn't go with us. And they said nineteenth for your sister. The nineteenth. So we get there on the eighteenth, and then we go there in the morning of the nineteenth. And you know, it's just it's when you're thinking about that, it's just it's just where do you go with it? You know, it's just like I'm just honestly, my jaw drops open, and it, I got yeah. nothing. Yeah, I got nothing. I, I'm just like, it's just like, how do I, how do I react here? And I got to be strong for my mom. It's my mom, you know, she, she's losing her, her children before her, before she goes. And that shouldn't happen. She's lost four out of five of her children. I'm the only one left out of all my siblings. And, um, but, you know, it's my mom that I worry about. And I'm trying to be strong for my mom because my mom's got to be, she just saw my brother, you know, we saw them, him taking off life support. Or with the COVID thing, and and then six months later, same thing's going on with my sister, and they're taking her off life support. So on the nineteenth, they take her off. Just trying to be strong for my niece, mm-hmm. and and my great niece, and my uh, my mom, and my son is amazing. Jackson, he is a huge support for my mom and and, and the family as well. He's just he is. he's just a mini me. Is what he is. So they take her off, and we expect her to, you know, maybe live. You're a nurse. You're a nurse. You know how that works. Three, four, five, six hours, maybe. Mm-hmm. Well, she just keeps going, and <laughs> oxygen levels stay high, and she's breathing. I mean, struggling to breathe, but she's she's doing it. She's doing fighting, it. and so she goes through all the day of the nineteenth, and all through the night into the twentieth. My birthday is on the twentieth, and I'm telling her stories about us and. And and telling her to go, it's time to go, go, you need to go. And just kept telling her stories and memories and stuff, whispering in her ears and just, you know, just telling her things. And and she's just hanging in there. And if so, on the 20th, we need to leave because we got to get back for Zach's wedding, my son's wedding, the next day. And it's just like 10, 12 hour drive back to Utah. <laughs> so we're driving back. I'm and like I'm like cutting it close there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Steve's like, yeah, she's still hanging in there. Oxygen level's so high. She's still breathing, still going. She won't give up. And I'm like, my gosh. I'm like, Lisa, just give it up. I said, I'd be, I'd be honored to share my birthday this day with you. Uh, I'd be honored. And, of course, she didn't listen to me. She never did. <laughs> she was the boss. Anyway, uh, <laughs> and the only woman and only girl in our family. So, yeah. anyway. Anyway, so the next morning, we get home the next morning, and I'm helping my son with preparations for his, his wedding and stuff, and, and she's still hanging in there, still hanging, going through the day. So the, the wedding comes along, the wedding happens, the celebration, and then she's still in, still hanging in there, still living, still going. 
after everything, it was the celebration was done, I guess 11 30, 12, 12 30, everybody disperses. So now we're in the 22nd, the morning of the 22nd, and my sister finally passed away at two o'clock, two or three o'clock in the morning on the 22nd. On the 22nd. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, I, I pondered a lot. I thought about it and I thought about it and I'm like, I know exactly what she did. I, I couldn't see it happening as it was happening, but in retrospect, it makes total sense. She didn't want to be a distraction and have a dark cloud over hanging over my son's wedding. Mm -hmm. And so she hung in there because if she would, I think about this, if she would have died on the 19th or the 20th, mm -hmm. even the 21st, there would have been that, that grief that sets in that, that sadness, those emotions all would have been a dark cloud. Now, I don't know if it's really, if it's a dark color or not, but it would have been a, a lingering right. during the wedding. And I don't think she wanted to interfere with any of that. Well, and, if that is uh, the case, it, well, how beautiful is that? Yeah, wonderful. And so then she, now she, my sister passes away and I'm just like, man, you know, and I, but I mixed feelings on that one because, you know, you don't want, your, you want your family to be around forever. Right. That was it, just last April. Yeah. But you know, I was I was at the same time I was happy to see that she I know that she was in a different place, that she was no longer feeling that pain that she'd been feeling for so long. And and that that happens and then um December rolls around. And I know that my dad's in bad shape. I know my dad's gonna pass. He did on the 6th of December. Mm -hmm. This guy, he lived a life, man. He slid into the grave sideways. He wore out that body, 88 years old. Right. It was time to go. I mean, he, there was nothing left for him. And I'm, I, again, I was, I was glad. I was glad to see him go. And he needed to go. Uh, but you, you miss that stuff, and it's hard. It's okay to it's okay to be sad even if you're glad yeah. to see him go for them. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, exactly. Anyway, he he just it was it was another one of those things that was hard. There are some other things that were surrounded it as well, but people would come up to me and they're like, "How are you doing this? How's this happening?" I had a couple of close friends and and buddies from high school that had passed away during that that same fifteen month period, and so I I've gone to more funerals in that 15-month period than I'd gone to in my whole life. And these were people that were close to me. Yeah. Two siblings, a father, really close and cherished friends, people from the neighborhood growing up. And and people are like, man, what a hell of a run you've had. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah, there are some, there's some difficult things there and excruciating at times. And it just, life throws those curveballs at you. It just throws all kinds of, crisis and hardship and things at you but what you got to do is you got to keep that balance you got to you got to count your blessings you got to you got to flip that you got to flip and it over how many blessings you have had exactly yeah two I have. daughters-in-laws yeah both my sons got married in april and an instant granddaughter right instant granddaughter yeah they go along with my other six or seven bonus grandkids that i have right and then um and then they just the first grandson that has my namesake was just born five and a half months ago. Oh, God. A little baby blue. And 
little chunky monkey, man. He's going faster and fast as can be. But it's just, it's all about love. It's all, it's, it's the balance, Ellie, is what it is. It's the balance. And you got to see that balance. Uh, you can't beat yourself up. You just, you got to think. Flying you know grace what? to your own life. Exactly. And so I've got, yes, I've had the loss, but I look at the same time. I've got all this, I got my family's growing. My boys are married. Got two new um daughters i've never had daughters i just always had testosterone in this family so <laughs> all boys even my bonus boys my bonus sons oh and, i love uh, that he yeah. so phil uh ever since i've known him i was really impressed with the fact that he has such a great relationship with what he calls his bonus boys and yeah. they are boys from another from a marriage of his and you know what you would never know that's one of the most beautiful things about Phil and his family is they are no respecter of persons. They love everybody and accept mm -hmm. everybody. And it's literally heartwarming. If we could all be more like that, oh my gosh, how much more love could infuse this world. That I love exactly it. Exactly. Spot on. Spot on. I you know, it says if everybody in this planet, this is the this is my dogma. This is the gospel according to Phil is that if everybody could just love and serve one another just a little bit, everybody on this whole damn planet could just do a little bit of love and service towards somebody else, yep. that would be the healing bomb to world Absolutely. peace. It really would. You know, I've got I've got these people that are leaving my life. I got all these, this, this new, my family's growing and I got these new grandbabies and I got these new daughters. I said, it, all these grandkids are doing their best they're, that my family's growing. Mm -hmm. to take the place of those who are leaving and it's it's that's the balance it's just that's the blessing life the is, is an ebb and flow it doesn't matter what's thrown at you in life it really doesn't matter what is thrown at you in life and it and it can be uh, you know beyond imagination uh, how bad it could be but no one no one is in charge of your happiness except for exactly. you except for me and mine if you can learn that happiness comes from within, you can lose everything, everything, and it mm -hmm. doesn't matter. Right. Change the lens, change the perception. We so all have that ability. My gosh, I've, I've talked, I've heard bunches of people, you know, people who have had amputations, almost lost their life, but, you know, and they can come out of it. Yet It's like their life just began. Exactly. They, it was like a wake-up call. Exactly. <laughs> I've, I'm no, I know those people, too. I mean, they're, and they're, those are the people, that's the inspiration, as if you can look around, people are amazing, so amazing, yeah, there's a bunch of douchebags and stuff out there, but you know what, don't waste your time on them, it's look for the good, love, and serve, and I'll tell you what, no matter how life, how bad life can be when you do those things, it makes life so much better, oh, it just, okay. it's, it's the, it's the, it's the cough medicine that works. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I do know. And you are an example of that. And I love that. I want to know if you could tell me. So I know through all of this stuff, through the the death of your um, brother, Ronnie and Rick and, you know, everybody that's come and gone in your life. One of the things that you've learned or a 
place that your character has changed, what would you say? Just even one thing. You know, again, just see the good. Always find the good about them, about anybody, about any situation. There's, if you look for the good, you find it. Find it. If you look for something negative, you find it. So look Whatever you're good. looking for, you'll find evidence of, right? Right. Just find the good. Always look for the good. I've taught my sons that, and they're amazing now. I will watch them, and they just inspire me to no end the way they True. love on people. I mean, True story. I mean, that's what they do. They find the good, and they, 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 the they bring it out. And I've taught them, always catch people doing things right. Catch them doing things right, and when you catch people doing things right, it builds them up, and they want to do. They want to continue to be better. I I was talking to my son. My my mom has dinner for us every Sunday. We get together, and it's just like, and you're being a new husband, a new father, instant father when he got married, and now he's got his new baby. It's just amazing, the father that he is, better than I was at that time, and uh, I was a pretty good father. I loved it. I enjoy. I enjoy being a dad. I, that's that's my greatest joy of life is being a dad, and uh, but I'm just like son, you've been caught. I said, you are such a great dad. You're doing it right. Keep it up. And so that's one of the things. But the other thing is that comes to mind is is time. It really is. Time heals almost anything. Just give it some time. The three T's is what I've always said. Things take time. <laughs> time flies. The interesting thing is, is a lot of time, often we waste the time, but mm-hmm. don't waste time looking for opportunities to love somebody, love your family, love your friends, love who's around you, love the cashier at the grocery store. It doesn't matter. Just talk to people. Just, just don't waste your time. When it comes to family, I don't regret that I didn't spend time with my, my brother. I don't regret that I didn't have time with my dad because we did. And my sister, I got, I got just countless wonderful, incredible memories with my with all with my brother that died in seventy seven, Ronnie, with my brother that died in October of twenty one, Rick of COVID, my sister that died in April, my dad who died just a couple months ago on December sixth. I, you know, I'm just grateful that I had time with them and memories and that I can pass along their legacy and, and share those things with my family as, as my family grows. I have to tell you that one of my experiences with Bill is. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. Here we go. Yeah, here you go. <laughs> no. A lot of good ones. A lot of great ones. Well, that's no doubt. In a short time, we had a great, good, good ones. Uh, well, we went to a drive through and he says to the gal, she's she's like, you know, what can I get for you? And he wants, he asks for a straight shake, a strawberry banana shake. <laughs> and she's like, sure. And he's like, <clears throat> and she's like, can I get you anything else? And he says, well, can I get that get that made with love? <laughs> lots of love. Can I get lots that made with love. lots of love? That's right. Can I get that? <laughs> and she's like, what? And he's like, can I have you make that with lots of love? And she's like, oh well, I'm not making your shake. And he's like, well, that's a shame. And it was funny. Anyway, long story short is she ended up making his shake um, and handing it to him. That's right. She did. She did. And she wrote on there, made with lots of love on the the cup. That's right. (laughs) 
Do you only know how many times I've got extra fries and stuff because I've asked for them to make my my order with lots of love? Oh my gosh, it cracked me up. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. Well, that's not it, you know. Uh, you're like, it's a thing. It throws them <laughs> off. It, you know, they get this robotic mode and and it just throws them off and livens up their day. It does. It does. You you liven up a lot of people's day every day. I listen to you on calls. Um, what you do in your business, you you really try and connect with people. And I think that's what we need in the world today is we need more love, but we need more connection. We need people to connect to one another, especially with all of the ways that we don't really connect, right? Because we have yeah. all this tech. I love that connection piece. And that's what people crave. That's what yeah. we're here for. We're here oh, for connection. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's just to, we're here to serve one another. And that all starts with interaction. It does. It does. So can I tell you a real quick story? I just I love telling this story. Okay. Absolutely. This I can't remember how many years ago it was. I was I was married at the time. I was married to a gal that was she had her box, her comfort zone, and it was hard for her to get out of the comfort zone. I don't have a comfort zone. I don't have a box. I don't even know what that is. Okay, but she did, and so it was hard hard for her. But I she 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 learn from it like apparently she was watching even though it was tougher but we went through a grocery store it was probably about 10 15 10 30 at night we're in this line and i'm watching this little old lady in front of us and she's writing out a check and i'm looking at her and i'm thinking she's got to be why is she here by herself she must be a widow she might you just you never know anybody's story you can't judge anybody and i wasn't judging her at all i just i was just curious but I just, I was, I was, I'm an empath. And so I, I, I can, I can feel things. It's like I got a third eye or something, you know, that third eye thing. And I, I can see people, I can see things in people and I don't need eyes to see those things in those people. Mm -hmm. And I was, so I was watching this gal and um, she was writing out a check and the cashier asked her, so how's your day been? And she, she stopped writing. She looked up and she says, you know, really it hasn't been that good of a day. And I just, I I jumped right in. I'm like, oh, I I just said to her and my my, my wife about that. She's like, I go, oh, sounds like somebody needs a hug. <laughs> and the little lady looks at me and she says, you know what I do? I said, all right. So I went over there. I started hugging her. Next thing you know, the cashier comes around and hugging her, and my wife's hugging her. We're all three hugging her. This little lady just looking on her. Yeah, and you know what? She said. After we got done, she just had tears in her eyes. And she said, no, she says, I've just been feeling so lonely today and all day. I don't know. I never asked her if, if her, her, she was a widow or anything like that. I'm assuming that she mm -hmm. might have been or her husband wasn't there. Otherwise, he probably would have been there, right? right her husband right. wouldn't be with his, there with his wife at 1030 at night. Right. But she was just, it's, you just never know, you know, if you don't say stuff, if you don't interact, you just don't know about people. You don't know how you can help. You know, you, you can't apply love. You, you can't give it. <laughs> and you yeah. do epitomize that love. I love that story. I'd forgotten about that story. And yeah. that's one of my favorite stories. Oh my God. I'll never forget how much that she just, it just elevated her, lifted her up out of this place that she was of loneliness. And that somebody actually cared, a stranger. That's the thing, though, is we don't realize how much impact. We may have in somebody's life just exactly. by a simple act, a hug. You never know who's watching. Yeah, you right? never know. It's the little things that mean the most. They have the biggest punch, the most power. 
and they add up and they're just it's the little things that mean the most you know what thank you for that because that reminds me that i need to do better i need to do better at being better attention to people and just applying that i mean i don't get out i don't get out much right now but but I, you know, <laughs> but I get out but, enough. <laughs> you know what? You're pretty amazing what you're doing, though. I, oh. I, I remember when you when you you followed, and I admire this. I highly admire this. I that you followed your prompters, that you followed what you know that you should be doing, even though you didn't know what, what the end game is, what it's going to be. But you're you're doing it. I mean, I've never seen anybody pack it up and just <laughs> sell it and, and go sell the ranch, and off you go, and you're doing sell it. the ranch. <laughs> Yeah, and you're you're off, and it, amazing. Who does that? I mean, look at. Tell me, there's not some fear that goes with that, because of the oh, unknown. There, there yeah, is. tell me that that doesn't uh, weigh heavy on you sometimes. But you're doing it, and you know what? It does. I notice people are noticing it. I want to know what it is I'm here to do to help other people. Mm-hmm. But I was going to tell you though, ask you actually. Did you know that fear and excitement are the same level of vibration? I was told that once. It kind of makes sense. It does. I can see that. It's just a different emotion. Mm-hmm. So if we can change fear to excitement instead, we're already on that same okay. vibration level. We just need to change the thought process around it, right? Fear, fear can be the catalyst sometimes, though. I've never well, heard it that way, but yeah, you know what? You're right. That's beautiful. It really is. I mean... I don't know. I think just even changing our perception, period, you know, even looking at fear differently. I mean, fear can't fear is there because it's a protector, right? Fear is not going to go away. And the only way that we can have courage is in the is in the same space as fear, right? We wouldn't ever have courage if we didn't have fear. So, yeah, it's kind of like a it's kind of like the little circle. It's beautiful harmony. You are very motivational and very inspirational. And I am so grateful that you agreed to come on the podcast today. Anytime. So many mic drops. So many beautiful things that people can take away from here. Hopefully can take away and apply them to their own lives. To improve their lives or the lives of others. I'm happy to be here. I love it. I love it. Absolutely. Well, thank you for joining us today. And I will, in the show notes, I'll leave you any information that I can um, about Phil. I will actually leave. The book that he referenced, um, and Mike Simpson, right? It's Simpson. That's correct. Yes, yeah. Um, The author of that book. I'll leave that in the show notes as well. So Mm -hmm. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you guys later. Okay. Thank you. What a great conversation! Thank you so much for joining me today. So much goodness, and so many tidbits to take away from today's conversation. I hope that this episode caused you to pause, to think, to feel, and maybe dig deeper in the search for resilience within yourself. I hope that some of you were able to find things here to add to or to help you hone tools you've already acquired in your individual search for resilience. I can't wait to see you next time.